When it comes to investing, retirement, taxes, healthcare, and estate planning, the decisions you make today can greatly affect the quality of life for you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight and unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your retirement and financial future. Good news! You found the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Grant is the founder of Dorhout Retirement Services, and he's been guiding people financially and into retirement for nearly 20 years. So get ready for an hour of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. It's time for the Retirement Blueprint. And now, here are your hosts, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Good morning and thank you so much. Welcome to the Retirement Blueprint, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of bonds and how they work. Also, how you may be able to get more tax savings with a backdoor IRA. Then we'll jump into what stress testing is and how it works as far as your financial portfolio goes. And we'll wrap it all up today with from breadwinner to retiree, how to manage that transition. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Grant Dorhout, founder and wealth advisor of Dorhout Retirement Services right here in Omaha. Grant, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Jeff. Thanks for asking. We got nine days, my daughter tells me this morning, nine days <laughs> until does, Christmas. She doesn't so. <laughs> let you forget, huh? Every day. Nope. <laughs> I'm glad you let me know that. I would have forgotten it, but yeah, now what is she yeah. like, 11? Is she 11 years old? Yep. These Okay. Yep. She just turned 11 on December 1, so she's. Uh, uh, we've had a countdown. <laughs> this fall one and, until her birthday and and even just before thanksgiving it was a countdown not only to her birthday but also to christmas so I'm, right. I'm very well aware of exactly where we are on the calendar well you've got two older boys as well too i'm sure they're excited about christmas and santa claus coming down the chimney did you anticipate santa claus when you were a kid i mean did you put out milk and cookies and that sort of thing and just wonder it, how that all worked i was a bit of a tail ender my oldest sister she's about 15 years older than me so when i was five years old you know she She's 20 and they're they're in that marriage stage. So it was yeah. a little bit different when I was a kid. We even, I mean, we would have afternoons where I would be having to take a nap because Santa was coming in the afternoon instead of overnight oh, because we weren't okay. always doing it on Christmas morning. So a little bit different, right. different anticipation and different level of gullibility on my part <laughs> uh, to, to believe that Santa would come to our house at mm. two o'clock on a Saturday. Well, as a kid, Grant, I used to leave cookies and milk out and some other treats like that. And the next morning, I would just be amazed because the cookies would be mostly eaten, the milk would be drank, <laughs> and there would be a note from Santa to me saying, thank you so much for being a very good boy. And I don't care how old you get, Grant. It is always exciting to think that Santa does come down that chimney. And as an inquisitive kid, I would look up the chimney and I would say, wow, that <laughs> opening, that's not very wide. How's he? He's a fat guy and so forth. <laughs> my parents, well, you know, Santa's magical. He can transform himself to come down the chimney. And if you're a good boy, he's going to bring you all the things that you want, or at least most of the things that you want. So no matter if you're a child or you're an adult, Santa's going to be coming to your town here in about nine days. Okay, Grant, let's get started with our show today. Uh, let's talk about bonds. I know that most people have heard about bonds, and I want to, in this segment, talk about the inverse relationship between interest rates and bonds. But let's take it down to the basic 101 level. What are bonds? Yeah, so I, I go through this with people with their portfolios almost every single time we have a new person that comes into the office. We have to address the bonds and what that debt instrument is and what it does and how it works. And 
a lot of times people don't really know how bonds work. So I, I try and think of it like from our municipality. I think about, you know, like Bellevue Public Schools, for instance, as an example. Let's say they wanted to give computers to every single kid and they need to fund that because the public school doesn't have the money just sitting there in the bank to do such things. So then they'll do a bond issue and, and they'll collect a bunch of money because they're going to pay X amount of interest over a certain period of time. Let's just say if you give them a thousand dollars and and it's a 10-year bond repay, they'll give you whatever the interest is. Typically every six months, you're going to get that interest. And at the end of the 10 years, you'll get your $1,000 back. So it's a debt instrument. It's it's sometimes a, a good way to create some income in retirement. It is going to be safer than the stock market in most cases. Now, of course, you have to make sure that you're Whoever's issuing the bond is a solid credit risk on your part, but that's typically how we're going to see bonds utilized. You're also going to see it as a de-risking measure inside of a portfolio where you, if you're retiree age or nearing retirement, you're going to hear about that 60-40 blend of stocks versus bonds. And, and there's ways that you can you can utilize them differently, but that's typically how, how we see them working uh, and utilized inside of someone's retirement portfolio. Now, you talked about municipal bonds where we're loaning some money to the Bellevue to maybe build a school or something like that. But that's not really the only type of bond, is it? What are some of the other types? Yeah, there's tons of different bonds. I mean, you could go corporate bonds, you know, if Citibank or, or some some mega company like that is going to issue a bond, you could get some higher yields potentially in that type of a bond. In the, in the corporate world, we obviously have treasury bonds where uh, where that's, you know, our government bonds, you, you have typically a, ma- a maturity of 10, 20, 30 years that you're going to see. And you can see what those bond rates are. Those types of treasury bonds influence a lot inside of our economy, including but not limited to our mortgage rates and things that are out there, other debt instruments. Uh, you can even go international if you want. I would not recommend for our clients with what we're trying to do from a risk measure. I wouldn't look at international government bonds, but some people will. It is a way that you could get some higher yield. Whenever you're getting higher and higher yields, you have to look at what the risk is associated with it because they're not just giving you that interest rate. If it's a higher interest rate, uh, they're not giving that to you because they like you. It's because you're taking on more risk. So it, it that could be one of the, the riskiest ways to go because you don't have certain protections that we have inside of our borders as well. And we also want to point out here, of course, there is risk involved with all investments in some level or another. But with bonds, can you predict the risk in some way with a bond rating? What is a bond rating and how does that help us predict risk? Yeah. So if you look at uh, look at treasury bonds, for instance, if you look at the government government as an A rating as as a creditor, it means that you have a really good chance that you're going to be able to get your money back when you want it or at the maturity of it. If you start looking at B and C and D ratings, your interest rate is going to be much, much higher because it's it's just like in school. If you got a D in school, you didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not really <laughs> someone that you're going to want to trust with that information if, if you got a D in school, but someone that gets an A in school, it's very simple. You're going to say, you know what, that's someone that I want to take some advice from. And, and if you look at it from a bond rating standpoint, if you have an A rated bond, you have a much higher likelihood of the outcome that you looked for. And that outcome is going to be I get the interest for the time frame that I lent them the money and then I'm going to get my money back at the end of that time frame. So your bond rate 
rating is very important. And so if you start seeing B and C and D ratings, I would be very, very leery. And I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't recommend that for my clients. I want to be much more diligent, much more careful with their retirement than to take on a, a substandard rating on a bond. Let's make the analogy of a money lender. Let's say it's a bank grant, and if you're lending money to somebody, you're going to be looking at their credit score. And if they got a credit score in the middle 700s, well, they're pretty good risk. There's more than likely a very good chance that you're going to get your money back. But if they've got a credit score in the five 600s, you can tell that they're not as good a risk. And I think the bond rating can be uh, really that sort of analogy, too, is that the bond rating is sort of like a credit score. We're talking with Grant mm-hmm. Dorhout here of uh, Dorhout Retirement Services in Omaha. We're talking about the ins and outs of bonds. Now, you talked about buying a 10-year bond, or I guess you can buy, can you buy like a five-year? What are the different links of bonds that you could buy typically? You can do all kinds of different bonds. We actually have certain investments that are one to three-month uh, bonds okay. that, are, that are treasury bonds. You can do one to three, you can do three to 12, you can look at two-year, five-year, 10-year. You can do all types of different durations on them. And when you start getting into the different durations, then you got to also look at what risks come along with that. If you're inside of a, let's say a bond fund, Jeff, if I look at a bond fund, this is some of the risk analysis that we'll do for our clients. If you're in a a rising interest rate environment, I actually look at if you put money in and then I have the interest rate on like a teeter totter. Okay. If I have the, the money in and the interest rate on another side, and then Mm -hmm. my duration, let's say it's 10 years. Well, inside of a bond fund, if interest rates go up and that bond fund sells inside of your bond fund, they could be selling at a loss. So you could be taking on different risks inside of your portfolio, whether it be inside of your 401k or inside of your investment portfolio. If it's a bond mutual fund, you could have a bunch more risk than someone say that purchases a rated individual bond. There could be additional risk inside of that mutual fund strictly because you're trusting that money manager to buy and sell And that could be problematic over the duration of that bond mutual fund. And if you're trying to generate some income, I personally wouldn't prefer to go inside of a bond mutual fund to generate that yield. I would look in safer ways to generate that, whether it be in an ETF fund or inside of a individual bond. That's a much more favorable way for someone to go, in my opinion. If I'm hearing you correctly, Grant, there is an inverse relationship between interest rates and bond yields. And we're in an environment right now in which bonds are maybe a little more favorable as an investment choice, right? Yeah, they are. And that's because of the the rising interest rates that we've seen in the last couple of years. You know, just two years ago, if you look at what interest rates were on bonds, I mean, you're talking 2%. And and now we're in a lot of bonds, we're over five. And it definitely has become more of a a reliable income source for people. Because if you had 2%, for instance, that you're getting as a yield, well, if you got $100,000, you're getting $2,000 per year, that's not going to move the needle. But if you start getting into that five, 6% range, you start generating four or $500 per month per $100,000 that's in it. it. It definitely moves the needle for someone's retirement and it becomes a more attractive way to invest your money for income in retirement. So Grant, I think you mentioned this just a moment ago, or at least you alluded to that. If you own a bond and let's say that it's a 10-year bond and five years in, you want to sell that bond, you're able to do that. But again, you've got to consider the interest rate environment that you're in because you could be selling this bond at a loss. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. If I think about it this way, and I tell this to people when we sit in my office that 
let's say if you purchase a bond for $1,000 and the interest rate was 2% and you have a duration of 10 years, let's say you bought that bond, Jeff, you bought this bond two years ago, it, it had 2% interest, you thought that that was okay for the time frame. you were okay with the 10 years, you put $1,000 in it. Well, two years later, now we have interest rates at four or 5% on the same duration, okay, on that 10 years. Well, if interest rates went from 2% to 4% and you, Jeff, wanna sell your bond, if you want to sell your 2% bond, because now you see that they're 4%. If you want to sell that and I want to buy a bond and you tell me, hey, Grant, I'll sell you my bond. I know you want to buy a bond. I'm not going to give you $1,000 for your 2% bond because I can put $1,000 into a bond that's going to get 4%. Mm -hmm. But if you say, well, Grant, what if I, what if I don't charge you $1,000 for my 2% bond? What will you give me? You're going to see as that interest rate goes higher, it's less and less money that I will give you because all I really care about is my yield to maturity is that equals 4% when you're in it, you have to think about that relationship. And that's why I caution people inside of bond mutual funds is they're not having the conversation that I just had with you. You would say to me, hey, Grant, how much will you give me inside of the bond mutual fund? When you pay that money manager, they don't have to ask you whether or not it's okay with you to sell that bond. In the individual environment, you can take on a little bit more responsibility and you can say, you know what? I don't want to sell that bond at that big loss. I'll just keep getting my 2%. And at the end of the time frame, you're not going to be hurt. But if you sell it before that duration, before that 10 years is up in this example, yes, it definitely could lose money. On the flip side, Jeff, now that we are in a higher interest rate environment, what if I have a 5% bond now and interest rates two years from now go back down to two? Well, it's going to do the exact opposite thing. Then you have a very attractive bond that you could sell in the secondary market. So either way, if interest rates are going up or down, it's going to impact how much you could sell your bond for in the secondary market. Grant, I'm thinking that based on our conversation here that people may have some questions about bonds. And if you do, then I want you to request your no cost, no obligation, and no judgment Doorhout Retirement Services review that would include a conversation about bonds. You can get yours by calling 402-281-0750. It's 402-281-0750. Even though it is the weekend, you can call that number today and leave your information. Lisa will get back to you on Monday and set you up with a conversation with Grant to create a path towards a successful retirement that may or may not include bonds. Once again, you can call that number this weekend. No cost, no obligation for this, 402-281-0750. You can also request your complimentary consultation online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. It's D-O-R-H-O-U-T, RetirementServices.com. Want more strategies to support the quality of life you want for 30-plus years? Stick around. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout in just a moment. You can't start a trip you've never taken without a plan. And you can't start your retirement journey without a comprehensive plan to get there safely. To request your no-cost, no-obligation Dorhout Retirement Roadmap, call 402-281-0750 or request it online at DorhoutRetirementServices.com. Now, back to more of Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shade. Grant, we had a great in-depth discussion about bonds in the first part of our program here, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening to us, if they have heard the first part of the show today, may be a little confused about that conversation. It can be confusing. So when people come into the office and they ask you about bonds, but they just really don't understand it completely, how do you help them understand that? Yeah, that conversation typically comes up you know, when we're doing our digital allocation tool and we're showing them what type of investments they're actually invested in. So every conference room that we use 
use at our office. You know, we have a big whiteboard, so we actually draw it up on the whiteboard, so it's very easy to understand. I know when I talk through that relatively quickly on the radio, people's heads might be spinning a little bit, but I do put that up on the whiteboard so that we can see the relationship and see, okay, well, what type of economic events will cause these deviations in what we have for a value? It becomes a lot easier to understand, and I think a lot of people are visual learners. I am as well. If you show right. it to me and explain it, that that actually makes a lot more sense than if I just hear it. So we definitely show them in a much more in-depth way than we can do on the radio. Our show is called The Retirement Blueprint. We're talking with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services. We're here for you every week on News Talk 1290 Coil for your fiscal fitness and your financial education. And again, if you would like to sit down with Grant and talk about bonds or really anything that applies to getting retired and staying retired, offering a no-cost, no-obligation financial review, you can get yours by calling 402-281-0750. You can call this week, and you can call right now. As a matter of fact, 402-281-0750. You can also find out more about the firm online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. Okay, Grant, let's dive into the backdoor Roth IRA. I don't know a lot about these, so I'm going to really let you do most of the talking here, but I like to use analogies. What do you do if you get locked out of the front door of your house? Well, simple. You check the back door. You can <laughs> yep. use the same tactic, I understand, with a Roth Individual Retirement Account IRA. So I'll start with Aaron, turn it over to you. What is a backdoor Roth IRA? Yeah, so the the backdoor Roth IRA, the only way that you have to do that or where it's a a good option is if you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. If you're making $100,000 as a couple, you can just contribute to a Roth IRA. But let's say I have someone that's making more than the income limitation because it's between 218 and 228,000 for married couples and 138 to 153 for individuals that you can't contribute the full amount into a Roth IRA. So what that person might do is if they came in and they said, hey, you know what, I wanna make, I wanna put money into a Roth IRA, but I make $250,000 between my wife and I. Well, what we would do is we would put money into a traditional IRA because any income uh, amount you can put money into a traditional IRA, and then we would do what's called the Roth conversion after we put the money in, and that's where we get into the Roth IRA through the back door, is we do what anyone can do into the traditional IRA, and then we just do the conversion so that we get the tax benefits long-term if taxes go up, of course. We don't know that that's gonna be a tax benefit, but it's a way that you can have less money in your tax deferred, because I'm sure someone is listening to this that might be 61 years old, they're a couple years from retirement, they're making 250 or $300,000 per year, and they might have have a million or a million and a half or even $2 million in traditional IRAs, and they maybe don't want to have as much go into deferred for their retirement. They want to start getting more into their their Roth IRA. This is a viable option for that type of person to get money into the Roth IRA. Backdoor Roth IRA conversions and taxes. I mean, this is where things get a little messy for backdoor Roth IRAs. If done correctly, a backdoor Roth IRA is a non-taxable event, but this can be a big if. Yeah. So Jeff, basically, if you put money into a Roth IRA, let's say we have someone that can just contribute to a Roth IRA, there's no tax benefit. You don't you don't get anything. It's after tax dollars. So let's say we do a backdoor Roth IRA. If I put in X amount of dollars into my traditional IRA and I immediately convert it into the Roth IRA, when you do a Roth conversion like that, well, I'm going to have to pay taxes on that. Basically, it becomes the after-tax dollars just like it was before. So if someone's got a higher tax bracket, they're going to pay tax on that conversion 
basically if I put money into the traditional IRA, I get the write-off and then I get the conversion and then I and then I'm going to pay taxes on it. So it's kind of a, a wash in a sense that you're not going to have a, a lot of benefit immediately, but you're going to be looking at that for a longer period of time. So if I get that money to grow for 10 or 15 or 20 years before I take it out, then I'm going to be okay to, to pull that out tax-free and then I can get some benefits in, in terms of taxes later on down the road. We're talking with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services, and we're talking about the backdoor Roth IRA. Once again, questions for us. Our number is 402-281-0750. It's 402-281-0750. Now, Grant, we always talk about the pros and cons of things because, you know, a lot of these things are not applicable to everybody. So let's start with the cons of a backdoor Roth IRA. What are some of those? The first thing that I think of is it makes your taxes more complicated. So you're going to check with your CPA, your tax preparer, and make sure that they're understanding exactly what you're thinking is in doing that type of an event. So if I told my father-in-law, my CPA father-in-law, hey, I'm going to be doing this, he would say, I prefer that you would do it in this way. That's the way everything is with, with your taxes. I want to make sure that you check with your tax preparer or your CPA before you do it. But it is going to be a little bit more complicated. Also is the IRS pro rata rule. Most people don't know about this, and this would be something that we would want to draw up on the whiteboard so that people could get a little bit better grasp of exactly how that works. But in short, it basically, it can cause a backdoor Roth IRA to be a taxable event if you have other pre-tax IRA assets. So that's the really simple short answer, but that is definitely a con or a potential con on doing a Roth, uh, a backdoor Roth IRA. Uh, the next thing is you have to wait wait five years to withdraw after the conversion. Okay. So say if I open up the Roth IRA, if I've never done this before and I open up a Roth IRA and then I contribute to my traditional IRA and I do the conversion, I'm going to have to wait five years to pull out the gains out of that conversion, whatever that conversion is. So the five-year rule and 59 and a half is what you have to make sure of those rules. Otherwise you could have an adverse taxable situation. So just make sure on that. A side note on that, you can always withdraw your your contributions though, okay? So just make sure that you're not doubling up or commingling those things and, and getting confused on what the terminology is. Timing is gonna be key. You have to make sure that the timing is right. And that's based on market conditions. And if you wanna do conversion throughout the year, you can also do that in, in order to purchase into whatever investments in a dollar cost averaging style of way. Okay, so those are the cons to the Roth IRA. Let's talk about the pros. There are a few of those. Yeah, we've talked about this before from a taxation standpoint. If you're thinking that in the future that taxes are gonna be higher than today, which I do believe, then you're going to have tax-free growth. I pay taxes now, even the, even if you're making good money and you're paying 22 or 24 percent federal, uh, I can make a really, really good argument that it's going to be a good idea to pay taxes now at 24 percent and let that money grow for five or 10 or 15 years. And then when I pull it out, it's going to come out in a tax-free manner. In retirement, I think that's going to be really, really beneficial. That's why we do some of that tax planning for every single client that comes in here. Second thing is there's no required minimum distribution because think about it, Jeff, why would the government force you to take that required minimum distribution out? You've already paid the tax on that income, so they're not going to force 
force you to take that out. And from a required minimum distribution standpoint, let's say you pass that asset on to your kids. The 10-year rule does apply to a Roth IRA, but in a different way than the traditional IRA, in my opinion, because in a traditional IRA, if they're going to pull, let's say, a million dollars over a 10-year period, well, I would suggest that we spread that out over that time frame. On a Roth IRA, though, if they let that money just grow for that 10 years, and then at the end of the 10 years, they pull all the money out, the kids are going to get all that money tax-free as well that tax-free inheritance and then the ability to let that grow for an additional 10 years before they take it out, it's absolutely huge. And then the next thing, you can withdraw your Roth IRA conversion without any penalty. If you're going to pull that money out, if the money has been in the account for at least five years, you have better access to those funds. So a couple of definite benefits to doing a backdoor Roth IRA there. And again, this can sound a little bit confusing to our listeners, but if you do come in and sit down with Grant, he'll break out the whiteboard and break it down for you in a manner that you can easily understand it. And if you want to get in and talk to Grant about bonds, 402-281-0750 is the number to call. No cost, no obligation for this particular consultation. It's not going to cost you a dime. Why wouldn't you call that this weekend? 402-281-0750. Leave your information. Lisa will give you a call back and schedule an appointment for you to talk to Grant about the backdoor Roth IRA. Now, Grant, I understand that there are three ways to complete a backdoor Roth IRA conversion, depending upon how much you want to convert and which account you're converting from. So let's start there about those three ways. Yeah, Jeff, the first way to do that is to do a partial rollover from a traditional IRA. So there's four simple steps. First, you open up the traditional IRA if you don't already have one. The second thing is you put that IRA contribution in if you already don't have an asset to convert. Okay, so that's key. If you don't have a Roth and you don't have a traditional and you're wondering how to do this back to a Roth IRA, you open the IRA, put the money in there, and then you're going to convert the assets from the one traditional IRA account over into the Roth IRA. Make sure you remember the pro rata rule, though. If you don't remember that pro rata rule, you could have some tax issues come tax time. So just make sure that you're fully aware of everything that you're getting into. I don't want any surprises come April for people, okay? The second thing is to do a full rollover from the traditional IRA. The steps are very, very similar. It just is different numbers. So you have the traditional IRA or you're going to Let's say you have $100,000 that you want to make sure it gets over to a Roth IRA. You certainly can do that in addition to what your contribution is. So if someone has $100,000 and they contribute $5,000 to their traditional IRA, they can roll over the entire $105,000 if they want to. Again, keeping in mind that you have that pro rata rule. So you can either do partial or you can do full. Or the third way is to roll over from the 401k plan. If your employer or that sponsor is going to allow you to, you could do a rollover inside of the 401k. It can go from traditional 401k over to the Roth 401k. A lot of times they will allow you to do this. Now, if they don't allow you to do it, you could roll it over outside of that 401k. You have to check a very simple term inside of your your 401k. Your HR director should be able to give it to you. If they can't, then just call the custodian, wherever uh, that 401k is held, and ask them, do we have the ability to do an in-service rollover? 
Now, all that means is in-service means that you're still working there and then rolling it over into a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Now, you could do that, either do it directly from custodian to custodian, meaning if it's Charles Schwab that has the 401k and the custodian that you want to move it to is Fidelity, you just have the money go from Schwab over to Fidelity. You could also do it in a different way where you take possession of those funds. You have them send you a check, and then within 60 days, you can do the rollover. Put it in your checking account and then put it in your new account, and then that's an indirect rollover where you can do from your 401k. Grant, who's the ideal candidate for a backdoor Roth IRA? In my opinion, it'd be someone that's younger, someone, you know, maybe 40s, uh, maybe even 50s that is a very high income earner and they can't get money into a Roth IRA and maybe they have they have a bunch of money in tax deferred that they they want to spread out their taxation. I would be looking at someone that's that just cannot contribute to a Roth IRA because if someone is making less than the income limitation, I think they should all be contributing to the Roth IRA. Just make sure that you're aware of the exact amount that you can contribute into the IRAs because those numbers are changing each year right now. Not every year we're going to see it, but we have seen it recently that we've had a couple of different changes. And in 2024, we're going to have an increase in how much you can contribute as well. Just keep in mind the amount that you're putting in, that limitation. Let's say it's someone that's underneath that income limitation and they can contribute either to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, that contribution limitation is for both of them. But if we're talking about Roth conversions, you're gonna put it into the traditional IRA and then convert it. I would say that it's gonna be someone that's younger and high income earner, someone making over $250,000. Grant, I understand that we can still, of course, do a backdoor Roth IRA in 2023, but that said, I understand that the IRS could change those rules. Do you think that that could change in the future? And uh, you know, should you really consider that if you're gonna be doing a Roth IRA? I would do it as soon as possible, uh, especially for 2023. We're kind of running out of time here, but uh, but in 2024 and 2025, uh, we have the ability to do that yet. Now, who knows what's going to happen in 2026 and beyond? I would take advantage of it while we have these nice benefits that are out there for us, because beyond 2026, I mean, they might say, hey, there's no Roth conversion for someone making over $250,000. I would take advantage of that now. I'm not saying that the the tax law is going to change to that where you don't have the ability to, but I don't want someone to get to 2026 or 2030 and say, man, I really wish I would have taken advantage of what we could do in 2024 and 2025. You do have some time yet this year, but like I said, we're only nine days until Christmas. Right. So, I mean, we gotta, we gotta really hustle if this is something that someone wants to do get it done Monday. And I, w- I would really work on that because a lot of these custodians, I mean, they have year-end stuff that is backlogging them. So I wouldn't wait until Tuesday. I would do it on Monday if you're going to do that yet this year. Grant, if our listeners have questions about backdoor Roth IRAs, we invite you to call us and request your complimentary retirement review with DoorHout Retirement Services. Again, it's just a friendly conversation with Grant that'll cover a wide range of topics based on your individual situation so that you can proactively adjust your financial plan to address your retirement journey and any blind spots that might hinder you from reaching your goal. Again, no cost and no obligation for this plan, no judgment. That number again, 402-281-0750. I know it is the weekend. All you've got to do is call that number, leave your name, some basic information about how to get in touch with you. Lisa will call you back on Monday and set up an appointment so that you can sit down with Grant and not only talk about the backdoor Roth IRA, but also any concerns that you have 
about reaching your retirement goal. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime. I don't know why everybody wouldn't do this. Just sort of consider this a community service from Grant to you. Once again, that number 402-281-0750. You can also request your complimentary plan online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. If you're just joining us, this is the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. I'm Jeff Shade. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. You'll get this show and all of our past shows so that you can stay on top of your wealth and your journey towards a successful retirement. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on News Talk 1290, Coil. Climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Retirement Blueprint with your financial Sherpas, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. We are so glad you decided to include us in your weekend holiday plans. You're listening to the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. My name is Jeff Shade. And once again, if you'd like to sit down with Grant and talk about your individual retirement journey, we still have spots available this year. Call 402-281-0750 to reserve yours. 402-281-0750. And again, you can get in sooner than later. We will make room for you. None of this calling up and, you know, saying, well, we got an appointment in March. How's that? Well, that's not going to work for me. You can get it this year at 402-281-0750. And another thing I want to point out, too, is that the fellow that you hear on the radio in Grant speaking to you is the same fellow that you'll get when you come in for your appointment. They're not going to pass you off to another advisor. And then when you come back, it's another advisor and another advisor. You get what you hear here at Doorhout Retirement Services. So once again, that number to call, 402-281-0750, and you can do it this weekend. Okay, Grant, let's talk about stress testing. I went to the doctor once and he said, I'm going to do a stress test and he had me get on this treadmill and I ran until I dropped. That's just, <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant. Actually, he turned around and he said, well, I didn't mean for you to do that. But he was testing my body, testing how much stress that it can take. And it occurred to me that probably the same thing happens with portfolios. When you do these portfolios, it's not a situation where we hope it's going to work out. You actually do some testing, so the odds are increased that it is going to work out. Yeah, Jeff, the stress testing is its basically a computer simulation. It's a technique to test out how much risk we're actually going to be taking on in a certain time frame. So just like your doctor that said, hey, get on the treadmill, he's testing. Well, how far can you go? He didn't really want you to fall over like you did, but, right. but he did find out where your limitation was. And finding out where that limitation is inside of these portfolios is very key because if, if I have a specific goal that I'm trying to achieve and I put a portfolio portfolio into a situation that it's actually not designed for, then I'm going to have an issue. So not only are we we looking at the investment portfolio and what type of stress that that can take, but then we also put it inside of Uh, inside of someone's retirement plan and then make sure that that can withstand whatever stress from an income standpoint or taxation standpoint that someone's going to put their portfolio through in retirement. We do that all the time with looking at when do we take Social Security? 
what's going to be the best and the most optimal time to do that. And that's part of the stress that you put the portfolio through. And another stress that you can put the portfolio through is inflation. And understand that with these tests, it's trying to make it so that the portfolio has the least amount of advantage as possible. And then seeing if the probability of success is still as high as what we need it for retirement. So you and I are baseball fans, and many of the baseball teams have analytics departments, which is sort of a stress testing, a what-if situation. If this player goes out here and does this, what is the likelihood that this is going to be the result? Now, that result is not guaranteed 100%, and I would imagine with stress testing, it's a similar type of thing. This doesn't say unequivocally this is going to work or it's not going to work. Mm -hmm but it gives you a certain percentage. Is that right? Yeah, Jeff, it, it's not going to give you 100% probability in any way. We'll, we'll run a Monte Carlo simulation where we put in someone's income need, we put in their social security, any pensions that they might have, whatever dollars that they have to invest and everything. And then the Monte Carlo simulation, it actually will run a thousand simulations of what economic events are going to be throughout that person's lifetime. And It'll never come up with 100%. It's not possible because it'll find one situation that might be an outlier so that it might be 99%. But if someone's current portfolio, we run it through this Monte Carlo simulation and they have a 75% chance of fully funding their goal. Well, that's an issue. And then we find ways that we can bump that 75% up into the 90% range where we're really comfortable. And that's how we can, we can simulate these things because we don't know what's, we don't really know what's going to happen in the next 30 years, how long someone might be retired and needing this income. But what we can do is try and find all types of different economic events. And that's what the Monte Carlo simulation will do for us. And then see, do we have an issue that we need to fix? Is there a problem that we need to fix? And, and those simulations help us do that. We're talking about stress testing your portfolio with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services. Grant, I understand that there are different types of stress testing. Let's start with number one, historical stress testing. What's that all about? Yeah, so if you look from a historical standpoint, think about in, you know, in my lifetime, thinking about huge market events. The first one that would have happened in my lifetime would have been the stock market crash in October of 1987. Looking at that, looking at the Asian crisis in 1997, the tech bubble in 99-2000, looking at the financial crisis of 2008 and even that that entire decade from 2000 to 2010, could that repeat itself where we have a lost decade of, of market growth? Is that a possibility in the future? Yes, it's absolutely a possibility. So how do we actually, based on a historical standpoint, how would we get someone through 2000 to 2010 in a way that they're not going to have to go back to work and, and looking forward and, and what assets do we need to have them in based on a historical standpoint? If these things happen, what would we do? And then that's definitely going to help us looking at those stress tests. And that's part of what the Monte Carlo simulation can do for us. Okay, so that's historical stress tests. Testing. As I said, there were three of them. So what's the next one? Next one is hypothetical. So I have a I have a client of mine. She came in years ago and we, we were going through a particular stress test, for for instance, where we're looking at longevity. Well, if she lived to age 100 and we had 3% as our inflation or 2% as our inflation, she wanted to know how far it could go. So we went to 4% inflation, 5% inflation. She said, well, what if I live to 115? And I said, okay, let's check it out. And we, 
we look at, okay, if she lives to 115 and we have 4% inflation, that could be an issue. That type of stress testing is the hypothetical standpoint. And even looking at from an income, how much are we going to have in, in growth or inflation from our Social Security? Hypothetically, what if it's not the one and a half that we plan on? What if it's one or what if it's a half a percent? And inflation isn't two and a half, it's three or three and a half or four. Those hypothetical stress tests are going to make us feel a lot better about where we're at in our retirement or let us know that we got some work to do if we want to cover for every contingency that we're planning for in that hypothetical sense. So there's historical, there's hypothetical. The third one is going to be simulated stress testing. I believe that that's where the Monte Carlo situation comes in, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The Monte Carlo simulation is going to be simulated where it's going to give you a thousand different trials. It's going to it's going to try and find anything that might be perceived negative. And it's going to include those inflationary environments. It's going to include looking at what happened in October of 1987. It's going to take also going to say, you know what? Hey, one of these these simulations, it might be a stock market crash of 87 and then lead right into a financial crisis of 2008 or even look at looking back to the Great Depression. What if something like that happens again? Or what if we have a situation like Japan had years and years ago where they rose rates way too fast and then they had stagnant inflation for many, many years. And actually, if you look at Japan right now, their wages have not increased and their inflation has not happened there in quite some time. And looking at what if these things happen is what the Monte Carlo simulation is going to do. Because I can sit with people and I can I, I can run hypotheticals all we want from a inflation or income standpoint. But some of these things that the Monte Carlo simulation is going to bring up, we don't even have enough time to go through all of them. And that Monte Carlo simulation, it'll run in a matter of seconds and it'll show right in front of us exactly where people are at and how comfortable they can be in their retirement at that point. Grant, what happens if a plan fails a stress test? I mean, do you start over again? Are there contingency plans? How do you handle a failure? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Now, I brought this up just a little bit ago in terms of the Monte Carlo simulation. Mm -hmm. What if, if I have someone that they, despite all efforts, you know, if we utilize annuities, if we utilize structured notes, if we utilize the market, if we have all of the different packages that are in place that are doing what they were intended to do, that is what is very, very important. If they're doing what they were intended to do, then we have to have a difficult conversation that sometimes tells people, hey, we just can't retire yet. And I'm not going to tell people that, hey, yeah, go ahead and retire. We're, we, all systems go knowing that at age 80, they're probably going to be out of money. We're going to look at it and say, well, yes, I know you're, you're this age and you want to retire. However, you're going to have to work another one or two years because when we ran our Monte Carlo simulation, you know, we're not going to throw everything out and say that it's all hope is lost. That's not the point. We're going to get them to the point where they have enough money to retire and we can retire with confidence that we've done everything that we need to. And if someone can't retire at 60, they might have to retire at 63 or 65 or even 67. Can't stress this enough. This is all driven by spending, being honest with ourselves, with how we live and how we're going to want to live in retirement is very, very key. If it doesn't go right, people could get discouraged. We try and not paint it in that light. We try and say, hey, you know what? We just have to work up until this point, and then we can feel confident going into retirement that we have enough. And a lot of times, if we have someone that's five or 10 years from retirement, we show them and we simulate that, hey, if we put money over here for income at this point, 
then we're going to be okay, but we have to do it by this point, whether it be two years from retirement or one year from retirement. But we also will have a goal in terms of an asset level. So if that asset level breaks over what our number was, we might make that shift for income earlier, even though they might still be working. So gives us all kinds of different ways that we can look at our retirement and see what are things out there that we we really don't know what's coming. What's going to happen in the world in 2024? We don't know. We have a pretty good idea from an economic standpoint where we stand, and it, I, I believe it's a positive outlook for 2024, but we don't know what 2030 and beyond looks like, and that's really where it's a huge advantage of the stress testing. Doing that stress test, making sure that we've planned for every contingency, I think is going to give people the confidence they want going into retirement. And as we've said before in this program, hope is not a retirement plan. We don't put plans together, at least at Dorhout Retirement Services, and hope that they're going to work. They really need to be stress tested to give us the best opportunity for success. So stress testing, I think, very important part of your portfolio planning. If you've enjoyed this conversation about stress testing and you want to get in and sit down with Grant and maybe design a plan that can be stress tested, again, call 402-281-0750. You can do it this weekend. 402-281-0750. You can leave your information and lovely Lisa will give you a call back on Monday and she'll set you up with a conversation with Grant in the near future. That is before the end of the year to make sure that you get all of your retirement questions answered. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime. Consider this a community service. It's a community service between Grant and you so that you can ask your questions of him. Don't worry about anybody putting the thumb down on you and wanting you to sign on the dotted line right then and there. We don't lead with a product at Doorhout Retirement Services. We need to get to know you, what your hopes, your dreams, and your visions are for retirement. Again, that number to call to get your Doorhout Retirement Services review is 402-281-0750. You can also request it online at DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. It's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Want more talk about sustaining your wealth and thriving in a retirement that could last 30 plus years? Stay tuned for more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout after this. We're back with more strategies for a successful retirement. This is the Retirement Blueprint. Once again, here's Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for including us in your weekend plans. You're listening to The Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. My name is Jeff Shade. Once again, our telephone number if you want to get in and sit down with Grant before the end of the year, 402-281-0750. We do have some slots available for you right now, 402-281-0750. Okay, Grant, you know, this is something that a lot of people don't talk about, and that is the transition from breadwinner to retiree. For 40 years or so, you've gotten up at the same time and, you know, you've showered, you've had pretty much the same breakfast, you get in your car, you drive the same route to work, you work your eight, nine, ten hours a day and you come home and you've done that for 40 years. Well, then comes the time that you retire. I don't think it's a good idea to just retire cold turkey. It's sort of like driving down the freeway at 70 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden there's a 30-mile-an-hour zone. It feels really weird to go from 70 to 30, but if you ramp it down from 70 to 60 to 50 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10, then it becomes a lot more tolerable. Same situation applies to retirement. You shouldn't really just go from retirement to cold turkey, should you? 
No, I wouldn't. You just opened up 2,600 hours in a year, approximately. If you worked a 40-hour week, you know, that that's about what you just gained is about 2,600 hours. And you got to think about how are you going to fill those hours? Because, you know, some people, they have a property that they can take care of the property and maybe they have a shop where they can do some woodworking and they have things that are going to naturally take up maybe half of that time. And maybe they enjoy golfing like I do or bowling or or something like that where they could fill up some of the other time. But then there's a lot of people that, what if you live in a community where you have maybe a quarter of an acre, you don't have that much land to take care of, you don't have any woodworking or anything like that that you really like to do, no hobbies. Well, that type of person, if they're going to just sit at home and watch grass grow, that can be really problematic. My brother-in-law's parents, they moved into town several years ago. Mm-hmm. And they, they just moved from off the farm to sitting and watching grass grow. And that, that was problematic because their health deteriorated relatively quickly. And they found themselves actually in a home very, very soon after. It was within a few years because they didn't continue to exercise their mind. And they didn't, uh, they didn't have anything that was actually driving them at that point. So whether it's you know working at a church or a charity or getting involved in grandkids' lives, I have a lot of clients that they do that where they they take care of grandkids three days a week and that keeps those three days busy and the other two days they're actually recovering from the right. three that they took care of the grandkids so <laughs> you know those types of things that, that that's out there you just have to have a plan for what you're going to do and and sitting at home and watching grass grow that's that's where you go from a 70 mile an hour speed zone down to 25 and that right. that's a jolt to the system it really is yeah and i think the antidote to that would be to sort of uh, partially retire you know do it gradually but if you do do it cold turkey there are really a lot of things you have to consider. I understand that there are a number of people who become depressed in the first year of retirement because it is such a drastic change. In retirement, you have a new identity, I think, for better or worse. I mean, I think our identities are often tied up with our professions. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm an engineer. That's how people introduce themselves. But when you get to retirement, you've got to ask that question. I think, who am I? What am I? What's this all about? And many times, I don't think a lot of people have put a lot of thought into that, have they, Grant? No, no, not at all. And actually, I, I witnessed this with my brother several years ago. He, he's been a police officer for over 30 years now. He was also in the military for, I believe it was 33 years, 32 or 33 years that he was in the Army National Guard in Iowa. And his identity was he's a soldier. And right. he's a soldier and he's a soldier. And then and he's a police officer. So we're going through this right now with him because he's planning to retire in March, and we're discussing certain things that he's going to be doing. You know, how much golf is he going to play, and how much is he going to actually be working as an electrician, and things like that. Well, a couple years ago when he retired from the military, that was a difficult thing. That took him several years just to get to the point that that identity in his mind, we haven't discussed this in particular, but when you brought it up this way, he pops into my head because he was a soldier. Uh, he'd mm-hmm. been overseas. He he was a command sergeant major in the Army National Guard in Iowa, and he had this identity as he's protecting these these soldiers, and that's what he really had a difficulty with, was actually 
having them not protected by him anymore. And that that's where he struggled. But then he got past that. And it was a really, really positive thing when he retired from the guard. It freed up certain amount of time that he could do other things that had been neglected, whether it be boating or going to Okoboji more or whatever it may be, freed up a bunch of time for him that he could enjoy these things. Now he's going to retire from his full-time job mm-hmm. and figuring out, okay, yeah, well, I've done electrical work in the past and, you know, I, I, I like to mow. Maybe I'm going to mow at a golf course in the morning, golf in the afternoon, and, uh, and then call it a day. Those types of things. Well, he's got plenty of things that's going to keep him going to where he's not going to be watching grass grow. If he was going to do that, I would highly encourage him to find a different full-time job because if you're not going to fill that 2,600 hours, you're going to have issues. And my grandma was a good example. When they moved to town when they were in their early 60s from the farm and they got along okay, but my grandma, she didn't exercise her mind as much as right. as what we would encourage. And that was really detrimental for her uh, over time to where she had a, a, a negative impact on her health. And my grandpa was the exact opposite. He would go out to the farm where my uncle was farming yet, and he would tinker around out there, and he would track certain things. He would track the rain. He okay. would track rain and and what the <laughs> what the trends were throughout the year. He just kept himself busy with those things, and and he was really really sharp until the day that he died in his early nineties. And I right. think all of us would like to have that type of outcome. And I think this is a really important point that you made there, Grant, is exercising your mind. And it's sort of like a muscle. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Same thing with your mind, too. You've got to challenge your mind. And that is one of the things I think that you can do to prevent things like Alzheimer's and dementia is to use that mind. Also, retirement many times can create a new dynamic at home. Now, Grant, you know, you haven't worked for 40 years, but you've been working a fair number of years and you go to work every day. Lisa expects you to go to work and you come home and, you know, that's the way it works. But when you have been away from somebody or you have a routine like that for 40 years or so, all of a sudden you're around all the time. That really can be quite distressing. You can get on somebody's nerves pretty darn quickly if you don't have a reason to get out of the house. Yeah, you got to find some different purpose. Uh, like I said, whether it's taking care of grandkids, carting grandkids around. I have a, a relatively new client of mine. They come into my office typically in the early afternoon now, and uh, we're finishing up some of their planning, and they're going to pick up the grandkids, and they're they're carting them around. And I actually had a, a funny story. When we lived in Sioux Falls, uh, there was a elderly couple that they would come in, and uh, I would see them at the agency that I would work at. I asked them what their story was because she she looked to be in her early 70s and they said, well, actually, she worked part time and then she was actually retired and then he fully retired and he was home all the time. And she very quickly realized that that was not going to be good for them. So she went out and she she got an insurance license and she would work with people with Medicare. He would drive her around and then she would go into her appointments and he would read a book in the car. And that was a way that they existed better together. And that worked for them. I don't know that people want to go find another full-time job or anything like that when they get retired. But at the same point, making sure that you don't all of a sudden go from 70 to 20, <laughs> that's yeah. uh, to where I, I see you. I see you a lot outside of work, but I don't want to see you 100% of the hours that yeah. you were at work as well. You got to have your own lives as well and, and maintain that some of that independence that, that you had while you were working. And I think that's important. It's not that you don't want to see your spouse at all, but at the same point, if you guys look at each other 100% of the time and yeah. you watch grass grow, that's not going to be good for you long term. 
Yeah, well, like it or not, there can be too much of you. And I'm reminded of that story. <laughs> I mentioned it one time in this show about the guy who was a uh, military officer. He retired and he got this motor home and, you know, he and his wife then started off on a trip. They were going to go across the country. They started out in North Carolina. By the time they got to Texas, each of them had a divorce lawyer because <laughs> they were not only not together, good. but they were in a motor home all the time, too. And they'd gone from all these, you know, 40 years of being apart, many times being deployed in different parts of the country. So consider that there can be too much of you. Another transition that comes when you're no longer a breadwinner is the loss of a steady paycheck. Now, that's up to you. And I think a lot of people find it's more challenging than they originally anticipated. Yeah, it's it's challenging to actually create the reliability. That's where the challenge comes, because we don't know. I've said it several times during this show, and I've said it before, that we don't know what's coming. We don't know what to anticipate over the next 10 or 20 years or 30 years. So recreating a paycheck is going to be very, very important. And, and how you're investing that money is going to be very important. I was talking with a gentleman just yesterday about how we separate things out and how we look at them differently because the purpose of that money is different. People come in all the time and they'll ask me a question about, well, how much money do I need to retire? Well, that completely depends on what you are going to spend. That income plan that people need, I find it, it's not very common for people to actually have a well-defined income plan. You have to recreate it in a different way, and you can do that in a, a variety of ways. I would not suggest saying, you know, hey, I got this money in a 401k or a TIAA CREF uh, account that the gentleman had yesterday, and they're just going to withdraw systematically. I'm just going to pull out as I need money out of that account. I'm just going to leave it invested as it was. Well, you're opening yourself up to a sequence of returns risk that is not really necessary. And I, I believe that if someone wants to create a more reliable income plan, you can look at annuities, you can look at certain structured notes, which have very, very nice benefits in, in the fact that they can give you an income stream that simulates the income stream that you had when you were working while you're retired. So that way you can live the way that you want to live. And having that income plan is going to be paramount, in my opinion, to make sure that people can retire with the confidence that I believe they deserve. Well, Grant, I think this is the bottom line. Anticipating retirement may have you eagerly counting down the days until you can bid farewell to the daily grind. But remember, retirement signifies much more than merely escaping the hassles of your career. It also represents a profound transformation in how you perceive yourself and how others perceive you. Retirement isn't just an end point. It can be the beginning point of a whole new life. So if you'd like to get in and talk to Grant about that retirement transition, it indeed is part of a comprehensive retirement plan. Call 402-281-0750. Please do it this weekend. Grant has some slots available for you before the end of the year. You don't have to wait until next year to get in and talk to Grant. 402-281-0750 is the number to call. Leave your information. Lisa will call you back on Monday and set up an appointment for you to sit down with Grant and create that path towards a successful retirement. Now, remember, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could uncover some blind spots that, when addressed, may help improve your quality of life and a retirement that, get this, could last as much as 30 years. Once again, that number to call, 402-281-0750. You can also request your complimentary retirement consultation online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com, D-O-R-H-O-U-T, RetirementServices.com. Well, Grant, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank the great listeners here in the greater Omaha area for joining us. For Grant Dorhout, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week right here with the Retirement Blueprint on News Talk 1290, Coil. 
The opinions voiced in the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout are for general information and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Examples provided are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Investing in an alternative investment may only be suitable for persons who are able to assume the risk of losing a portion or all of their entire investment. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not consider the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Jeff Shade and show guests are not affiliated with CWM LLC.